Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Eiffel Grand Prix preview podcast uh, for the Winging It F1 podcast. I'm Freddie Coates, and I'm joined with Adam Dickinson and Nigel Chu to take you through all the latest news and some predictions for the return of the Nürburgring to Formula One. That's amazing. Uh, Adam, how are you doing? You doing all right at the moment? Yeah, good. A lot, a lot going on. Quite busy, but uh, yeah, be, being able to find two hours in my busy schedule to uh, fit this in. Nigel, are yeah. you as busy as Adam? Uh, well, yeah, we're doing the same things, aren't we? So, yeah, <laughs> it's quite similar, I think. <laughs> All good then. So, busy mind, happy mind, I don't know. Is that a thing? Um, anyway. Let's get straight into it. There's been quite a few sort of little nuggets of news popping up and down in the, in the F1 sort of news sphere at the moment. And one that has sort of caused a bit of discussion that caught the eye was the comments from Jackie Stewart, Sir Jackie Stewart, three-time F1 world champion from the 60s and 70s, who was singing the praises of Jim Clark and Fangio, which is, you know, a good thing to do. But he was saying that he wouldn't consider putting Lewis Hamilton up there with those drivers who he sees as the true greats of the sport. What do we think about these comments? Do we think that Stewart's got a point? Do we think Stewart's being a bit negligent to dismiss Lewis Hamilton in such a way? I mean, Nigel, what do you think about this? Well, I think Jackie Stewart has always been one of those people who thinks Lewis Hamilton isn't up there with the absolute, absolute greats of uh, Formula One. So I think this comment just reaffirms that, really. Uh, I remember a few years ago, he was criticising him for some stuff. I can't even remember what it was. And, yeah, he just doesn't seem to be much of a Lewis fan. Not not that he, not that he had to be, but uh, it doesn't really surprise, surprise me that the driver from the 60s and 70s thinks that... Uh, his fellow colleagues or drivers then were better than the drivers now, but it was just a completely different ball game back then. So mm. it's not a surprising comment to me. And I, and I think, you know, the drivers who are racing now in the modern era will say that Houghton was the best or 20 years ago, people, the drivers racing at Schumacher would say Schumacher was the best. I, I think, I think it's just one of those cases. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, clear, clear from all of the, you know, whenever Jackie Stewart's in a documentary or, you know, in, in kind of anything, he clearly holds uh, Jim Clark in the highest regard um, as a driver. Um, yeah, I think it's not, it's not so much of a surprise, you know, with all of these, when you're comparing across different eras, it's kind of what you put more, um, kind of what skills yeah. you value more, I guess, than, you know, clearly... For him, he's he's kind of saying it's hard to judge Hamilton kind of against other other greats because he's not he's not raced many other kind of great drivers on the level playing field. Um, kind of seems to be what what he's saying. So when he's at Mercedes, then he's saying that they just had such a dominant car that it's not really, you know, it's quite hard to see how he would have gone in in other eras. Which is fair enough, you know. It's it's kind of one of the biggest things against against Hamilton's um, kind of credentials as the greatest of all time. There's, um, there's a lot to be said, though, for an argument. This is how I sort of look at it. That there's an argument, you see it in um, other sports, of the progression of, of the game, of, the, of mm. what's got to be done to win in the, in the sport. 
and that seems to be generally kind of considered a major talking point in, in when you're talking about greatest of all time in other sports, but it seems to be widely forgotten for motorsport. And I think there's a lot to be said for how the game has moved on since the 50s and 60s and 70s, every decade, really. You look, Schumacher is widely cited as the guy who brought fitness into Formula One. And now fitness is, you've got to be at extreme level of fitness to complete in Formula Four and yeah. Formula Three, let alone Formula One. So Hamilton's now the best on the next level. That's how I kind of see it. That sort of, there's a tier system there. But I do think there's a lot. To, but then obviously, yeah, you kind of think, yeah, Fangio, Clark, people like that would then rise to that level now. But it's mm. incredibly hard way to look at it. But I think there's a lot more to back up Hamilton being a, a greatest of all time than um, drivers from 70 years ago. I think mm. with, with kind of drivers from, obviously Hamilton, there's a lot of statistical um, evidence. Obviously, he's kind of, Seems to break the record for the most race wins and he's got most poles, most podiums, all of that. Um, I think the, the, there's probably more kind of more progression within F1 because it's kind of so tightly related to the cars, you know, like in say football, you know, it's like football technology and kit technology and pitch technology has changed, but you know, mm. that doesn't have anywhere near the Equitable. effect yeah. that it does. And, but, you know, there's the same kind of debate, you know, football people say that Messi's not kind of challenged himself outside of the leagues. And it's the same, you know, Pele that he never played in any of the big European leagues. I think every every kind of greatest of all time or most greatest of all time has that, um, has kind of elements of that. And what, what effectively you end up after doing is comparing their kind of driving talent which you can't put a number on that. You can't quantify that, which is why there's a debate in the first place, which is why it's so fascinating and why there'll never be a definitive answer. Yeah, that's exactly right. I, it's a debate. algorithm for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's a debate I'd love to get into, but it's just impossible to say. I, mean, I, can't, I can't even answer now who's the greatest of all. I was just, I could give you 10 drivers, but I couldn't give you one. It's just, yeah. It's just so hard to be in that. <laughs> no, he, he definitely wouldn't. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I think, say. yeah, there's so much to put forward for Fangio, Clark, Stewart, Prost, people like this, who have all been top of their game and have all been the best at the point. And I think that's sort of how we've got to look at it. All of these guys have been the best and are the best in a way. That's a fun way to look at it, I think. These guys are all champions and they're all worthy champions it's not like they're it's not like you can say oh but champion of champions that's you know to beat the major pretty much all the championships that have been won on the grid have been won when there's another world champion on the grid so you are yeah. beating champions everyone's a champion of champions then and i think it's a everyone's entitled to their own opinion on this it's an opinion it's not a fact yeah. as you guys just said so i think yeah He's caused a bit of a stir, has as to Jackie with these comments, um, but that's what that's what the debate's there for, I think. Mm, yeah. Um, no. We're going to move on to another sort of kind of stor storm of news that's that's picked up recently um, in the past few days, which is the rumours that there's going to be a 
new Grand Prix in Rio, or at least Chase Carey has been agreeing with the local authorities in Brazil um, about a new Grand Prix in Rio de Janeiro, rather than the home of the Brazilian motorsport, surely, Interlagos and Sao Paulo. This has caused a bit of um, a bit of a stir because of the, essentially the destruction of an entire forest uh, to to build the track. Do you guys? What do you guys think? Do you think that there's not really much point in going somewhere else in Brazil? Yeah, I mean, it's the it's one of the only times we'll see environmentalists and F1 fans agreeing on something. I imagine, mm. but yeah, mm. I, I just think it's why, like, mm. Interlagos is such a good track, and it's such. It's so different as well. Like if, if we go to Rio and it will get built probably by Tilka or whoever, you know, and it, but it will be kind of built like, will it actually add anything to what we've got already on the calendar compared to what we'll lose with Interlagos? And, you know, I do really like Interlagos as a track anyway. And, you know, just the, the kind of final straight and then you know kind of flat out a corner that's just so mega to go through and you've got kind of banked as it goes through you've got the wall on the outside and then the fans fans to the right and you can see the whole kind of hillside down and the city to the left and it's i just think it's you know such a good track but and yeah what why obviously the deforestation is just <laughs> so yeah. against kind of everything that should be being done at the moment anyway yeah. but you know even taking that aside i just don't see why we need to leave Interlagos and go to another truck. I think the problem with Interlagos is that it is a bit unsafe. I'm not sure if everyone feels safe being there. There's been a few in- incidents over the yeah, years there been. and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, I think it was almost inevitable. I think there was stuff with contracts as well. But that, uh, making a new track is fine, but cutting down loads of trees. It's completely the wrong way to go about it. Imagine if someone said, we're going to move away from Silverstone, we're going to build a new track and we're going to have the British Grand Prix in Hyde Park or something in London and you know, get rid of the park just for a track. It would just be stupid, really. Um, yeah, completely. I think, and you look at Interlagos and it, Interlagos is between lakes and that track was built on marshland and was built on sort of repurposing land that wasn't going to be used. And from since then, it's sprawled out into the um, favelas around there and everything. And now Sao Paulo has grown as a city around into Lagos. Um, and it, yeah, it is a bit unsafe. Uh, Jensen Button's been one who had sort of basically was targeted, I think, in his championship year. Um, when after qualifying, he, had, he, he tells a story in his book, which you should go and read. And it, he um, plugged Jensen Button's book. And... Um, it's quite scary, really. And people in F1 at the time, Bernie Eccleston, were a bit like, grow up, deal with it, we're here. Um, but yeah, you raise a good point, Nigel, that it's not exact. It's a, it, there's a lot of crime in, in parts of Brazil, but I, think, I don't really think that can be solved by just moving the circus somewhere else in Brazil. Surely that's got to be solved by Brazil. So there's also the kind of generally Brazil, it's not on... There's a lot of inequality there. There's a lot of poverty there. They hosted the World Cup in 2014. That's and most of the, most of the stadiums built there have just become white elephants. You've got the Brazilian National League. You know, you've got 5,000 people in a 60,000 seat stadium. There's all that spending on infrastructure that you know has 
effectively been wasted you know used for a summer and that's it you know there were protests when they had the olympics in 2016 in rio about should the brazilian government be yeah. having such massive sporting events when there's so many internal problems in the country mm. and it you know it's another kind of example of that where you know is is there more is there better ways that the money could be spent there's a lot of um there's a lot that has been done around Interlagos, particularly in the 90s, around how sort of around there in Sao Paulo, um, there was actually able to sort of bring a sport to those who couldn't afford and help to develop. And there was local track and track um, sort of uh, activities put on for people who couldn't afford it. And Senna was massive in his in what he put back into Brazil. And part of that was into Lagos. It's partially the area. It's partially designed by Senna, I, I think, or at least with his, um, with the redesign was with his guidance. And people like Rubens Barrichello have come out of this program. And, you know, he's... Stones he's far awesome. away from the yeah, exactly. So there's been so... The way Interlagos sort of founded is in such a good-spirited way that it feels... I mean, yeah, that was 30 years ago, pretty much. But it's, it seems to be a bit of a kick in the teeth for sort of Brazilian motorsport culture to, to have this track in Rio. Not only is it going, is it going to basically destroy a, a jungle, frankly. Um, it's quite a, it's, it's caused quite a big stir, this topic, and I don't think it's going to go away. I reckon there will definitely be questions coming up this weekend to the, um, to the rights holders, to Liberty, about this, um, about this motion, because, yeah, people have seen pretty much nearly agreed documents that have been leaked through to people like autosport about this um so i think it's not going to go away and i reckon i wouldn't be surprised if formula one turns away and actually says hang on we've got into lagos but it would be the wise thing to do i think yeah, or yeah. even to just not race in brazil i'd go as far as saying yeah i mean brazil has got a historic nature for formula one we've got senna we've got massa we've got barrichello but nowadays there isn't really so much going for it do you think do you think it's it's a, it's a lot of brazilian in junior categories okay like and especially considering they've got to go to europe to compete you know kind of f4 f3 you know and and there's some f2 as well but there's there is kind of a decent amount around there yeah yeah it is the only race on the south american continent so yeah true. i think yeah. that's one that they i think there is probably a desperation to keep a race in brazil <laughs> And I think Bernie Eccleston owns into Lagos, so maybe there might be a few. Thor. I think he had to race for free or something. When Bernie was in charge, they didn't have to pay to host yeah. a Grand Prix, I think. Yeah, so yeah. some people in Formula 1 do value Brazil. There is that. <laughs> um, but yeah, into Lagos has had its issues, but we, I think, all are firmly in favour of into Lagos. Um, another development, st developing story, there seems to be so many at the moment, is um, the following on from people like Alpine coming in and sort of being the new brand for Renault. Um, there seems to be a similar route going between Mercedes and AMG. Mercedes AMG is, has obviously been the name of the team for recent years, but there seems to be a discussion that's going to go full on AMG. Nigel, you've got the the um, the big story on this. Are you going? Can you take oh, the lead? I, I, I didn't exactly break it, but uh, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> uh, the, the news. Yeah, you did. Just take <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I knew about the Alpine one a few days before. I didn't know about this one. Uh, but yeah, AMG is 
basically going to have a bigger presence in F1. Uh, AMG is Mercedes's parent company. No, Daimler's the parent company. It's no, it is. Parent, I can't remember. Daimler's like the parent company, division, isn't it? It's yeah. kind of like tuning division, racing division. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's all handmade uh, engines for souped-up cars, basically. AMG. Yeah, and uh, they're going to have closer ties essentially in the in the market. So it it essentially means that Mercedes are going to stay in F1 and that uh, any doubts that they'll leave the sport can now be put to bed. Well, or is it an easy way out? Ooh. <laughs> I'm not, not sure. Is it, are they distancing the brand Mercedes from the sport? I think if they wanted to leave, then it'd probably be as easy to leave. But, you know, to leave flat out. I don't think... I agree. If you kind of... Yeah, I mean, they've got nothing left to prove in Formula One apart from an unbeaten season. That's all they haven't really proved at the moment in Formula One. So you un- think, unless they're kind of, you think, oh, unless they're doing it kind of as just a holding kind of until they make it up. You know, they're saying, oh, we'll see how it goes for a few more years and then we'll make a decision on it. Then, unless it's something like that, I don't. I think it's just a similar move to Renault and yeah, Alpine. And it will mean AMG because they'll bring in more money so Mercedes can spend it in F1. Uh, yeah, so. And for the next kind of two, three years after the name change, people will still call it Mercedes anyway. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. You know, like, like, we, like we've seen with Racing Point Fourth India, that it took about a year for that to, you know, people I, call it longer. It still, still doesn't. What's, to- what's so, Alpha Tauri? Yeah. Toro Rosso still exists. Um, yeah. So It'll be interesting know, to see if Aston Martin actually is a Formula 1 team next year, whether it's still Spiker. <laughs> It'll take a while for people to get it out of their system anyway. Yeah. It's, it's, it's um, another developing story. I think it'd be quite cool just to have it be called AMG. It's a sporty name. Um, and that's, yeah, AMG has got a long history of success in motorsport, as does Mercedes, to be fair. So it's a good, it's a good marketing ploy for them, really. It's it's what they would want, similar to the Alpine decision. Um, maybe, maybe Acura might take over Honda. Oh, that's a. Ooh, I mean, yeah. that's what they've got. I, I'm, that's what they've got in uh, IMSA in the states. They've got yeah. Acura. Um, that seems to be only really the company now. <laughs> oh yeah, they could. They could go into it. Acura is <laughs> just the um, sporty name for Hondas in the states. That's it. Oh yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's just not, not of us to get them in, you know, just, yeah. on, just you know, <laughs> out well, of the speaking blue. Of, speaking of getting companies in, um, we discussed it briefly in the last podcast about um, intellectual property of Honda um, potentially being bought by Red Bull or by another engine manufacturer. Um, that story hasn't gone away, really. That seems to be being discussed still by people. Um, Nigel, you weren't here with us last time. Do you have any sort of thoughts on... Um, what next for the Honda engine, perhaps, outside uh, I, the hands of Honda? I think that is a possible thing for Red Bull to do, to buy the engines and then continue on developing it with some kind of company. Uh, but it's either that or it's Red. I'm pretty sure Red Bull won't leave. I'm almost certain they're going to stay on the grid. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a possibility. I'm, I'm really not sure which way it's going to go. 
but whatever does happen, I do think Max Verstappen might be like is likely to leave. I reckon. That's, that's yeah, this thought. is the biggest, the biggest chance for anyone to poach Verstappen since he was 15. Do you think anything's going to happen with that, Adam? I mean, Bottas is on a one-year contract. I saw something. I mean, I just saw the headline. Didn't maybe they read the article, but saying Verstappen doesn't have an engine-related clause mm-hmm. in his contracts. I know. Well, we know his contractors have several clauses in that. Yeah. Um, can get an early, early exit from, but apparently, engine isn't one of them um yeah it kind of depends i mean mercedes is, is the obvious one that he goes to but it kind of depends which whether mercedes want that whether they want to kind of bring their own driver through um and kind of believe in george russell that to that extent um but yeah i think it's definitely his, his biggest chance and I wouldn't be surprised to see it, but equally, you know, if he stays then until the end of his contract, then really, or even beyond, there would be that surprise either. The problem yeah, Verstappen has is, is the rest of this season, he's, he, well, he's not going to win the championship this year and it's probably not going to happen next year. So that'll be, what, eight seasons he's done in F1 without getting anywhere near to mount a title challenge. So the yeah. frustration in him must be... You know, boy, yes, there's real changes in 2022, and he he will probably do one more year with Red Bull then to see how it goes. But the likely thing is, or the likelihood is, is that Mercedes will still be the benchmark even after the rule changes changes. I reckon so. Uh, yeah, it I think that's way that up. Because we've, it's not like teams are going to be scrabbling for a top driver um, for 2022. Mm. Presumably, Hamilton's going to stay with Mercedes. Um, Leclerc is leading the charge for Ferrari. Alonso is leading the charge for Renault. Uh, Vettel's with Aston Martin, um, and so on. Really, I mean, there's, Red Bull needs Verstappen to be able to actually remain in that in that mix. Ricardo and Norris at McLaren as well. You've got everyone's pretty who who you consider to do well out of a budget budgeted um, engine change, which is pretty much all of them. You'd expect to kind of come out pretty well from a budget cap then Red Bull need Verstappen to stay. They need to do all they can to keep Verstappen. And I think Honda leaving is not going to help that. But I, I think 2022 is his best chance at any team anyway. I don't think he's got to be a bit patient wherever he goes. He could completely flounder if he goes somewhere else. It's yeah. just, if, if Red Bull have a Renault cluster <laughs> engine, or even the Honda engine but not with manufactured backing up against Mercedes we've got everything they've now got AMG I just don't have I just do not see Red Bull challenging for the title which is why I think Verstappen but if I was him I, I would leave I, I yeah I'm the same on the engine I just don't see it just didn't seem like the it, it seemed like a really strange thing for Red Bull to do and kind yeah. of seeing as they're not a manufacturer team to kind of get the end you know maybe do it as a kind of stopgap for a year I can see that kind of happening you know if they're in talks with another supplier potentially outside of F1 or whatever but you know for to do that it, it just wouldn't doesn't seem to make any financial or competitive sense kind of to do that long long term or even kind of more than really a year I think I think they'd need to get a partner involved and I think that's incredibly unlikely because um, well, you know, Ralph 
Ralph Schumacher, he said this week that he thought Red Bull could be an engine supplier. And, and previously he said he'll, he wouldn't be surprised to see Porsche on the grid um, in the next few years as well. So, but those Porsche are at every meeting for power unit regulations for the past 10 years and they haven't done anything. Um, this is a cheaper way for, there's a cheaper way for them to come in is to snap up someone else's design and they've still <laughs> got a significant portion of the budget they were spending on LMP1 there's only a tenth of that has gone into Formula E but they have got other projects so I think with Porsche it's a it's a harder situation now than it ever was um, for them to come into Formula 1 I think I think it's similar with someone like VW or Audi because I think I mentioned this in the previous one because of emission scandals. Um, they, they've got to stay as far away from this sport as possible. And um, I kind of think that leaves them a bit sort of groveling towards BMW who I think don't really have any want to come into Formula 1 whatsoever. They're just starting to get right. on top of Formula E. But it's all right because F1's cleaning up their environmental image by chopping down half of the exactly. Brazil to build a crack. The last thing I'll say on this, and we might talk about it later anyway, but, uh, is that it, the fact Red Bull are in this position is all because of the rules and regulations of the current power units, which are too complicated, too expensive. They're just one of the worst things happened to F1, I think. And, Red Bull should not be in this position where uh, the engine manufacturer is left because F1 isn't sustainable for, uh, to Honda anyway. And yeah, they're, they're, they're literally going to be left with, well, yeah, it's just, oh, I just don't like these engines. I just really don't like these engines. They're complicated, they're expensive. Um, they ruin the reputation of Honda for a lot of people very quickly they ruined the reputation Renault had for winning four championships with Red Bull on the trot and all they've done is made Mercedes do really well and people hate Mercedes now because they've done really well it's it's, it's there's so many edges to this sword it's it's like a really sharp pole um <laughs> like a I don't know sharp thing and it's just they've not really done well they're really technically amazing. And as an engineer, you'll look at it and go, wow, that's, a, that's brilliant. It's this, the thermal efficiency is the best ever in everything apart from, in everything apart from uh, electric. Well, some, some electric uh, power units don't even have this good efficiency. So it's, it's really good, but it's just not worked for Formula One. I agree with you, Nigel. Adam, do you have a rant? To have, or do you like them? Oh, no, nah. No, I'm sorry, but if the problem is, is that there's so many, there's so many bits to it. You got the MGUK, MGUH, the turbo, the ice, and if if you're behind on one of those things, you're never going to catch up with Mercedes. And this is why Mercedes are going to be are not going to be stopped until 2022 at the earliest. Well, Ferrari um, caught up with them. They just have to cheat. It's just it's, pretty promoting exactly, Cheating, you're fine. Cheat, have a look at buddies in the FIA that will cover you back when you get caught. <laughs> you're sorted. I don't know what everyone's complaining about. Honda are such a pride, proud company. They're not going to cheat, and they've they've left. And I think that's fair enough. <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I hope I Renault as well. And then I hope 
In fact, I hope everyone, I hope all the manufacturers leave and it's just customer cars. That's what I want. Pedaling, <laughs> pedaling the cars around. Nigel Chu flying the flag for the Cosworth DFV to return since the 1980s to Formula <laughs> One. Um, actually, that's quite a good idea. Um, <laughs> Okay, that's enough about engines. We've been talking about engines for weeks now. Um, what's going to be interesting is how cold it is at the Nürburgring. Let's talk about the actual Grand Prix we're here to talk about. And oh yeah, we just had a quick look at the weather forecast, and it's the warmest day is going to be Friday with a high of like twelve or thirteen degrees. Uh, Saturday and Sunday are going to be sub ten degrees Celsius for the Grand Prix and qualifying. Minus sub- ten. Not minus 10, um, sub 10. Um, I don't know what it is in Kelvin. Um, so like 247 in Kelvin, let's go with that. Um, what do you guys think the cold's going to do? Do you think everyone's going to be making a big fuss about it, how hard done by they are? Probably, yeah. I think this is where Mercedes's DAS system could work wonders and the uh, advantage might be even bigger than the normal. Uh, yeah, it's the first, this will be one of the coldest races ever in F1 probably, so it'll be really interesting to see how that shakes up the order with a, well, not a new track, a track they haven't raced on for seven years as well, so there's lots of different factors which the teams are not used to on a normal race weekend, which is a good thing for us. Yeah, I think F1 teams have some of the best kind of staff slash team kit you know you get a lot of warm coats and stuff in there, so, or you know like sticking a bubble hat over their helmet or something like that that's quite fun um people actually yeah, do that it will mm. do they you can get like little horn things you can put on the top and um like oh, okay. fancy I was you can like little antlers and stuff <laughs> lots of motor by the aerodynamics there. department <laughs> um but <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think the point you raised about DAS is a good one. We'll kind of see how that affects them. But yeah, I think it'll be. There's been a lot of kind of weird races or races where there's like one element different um, to normal or whatever. But yeah, this is another example of that. Well, it'll be very interesting to see if it actually is a bit damp. Every time I've looked, there's webcams on the Nurburgring website for people who don't have Sky Sports. And um, you can see that it's, it is damp there. There's a massive puddle right by the final corner that's just basically always there at the moment. Whenever I've you checked. You've been watching got, that webcam all I've, week, Freddie. I've got, yeah. kind of, I've, got kind of, I've got kind of drawn into the hype about a wet race. And because like just some races... The Russian Grand Prix. Like, he's yeah. sat there with it. And then he records the bit at night when he's sleeping and then like watches that on another well, screen. That was a the thing. There was... Um, didn't tons of people choose a couple of years ago just to watch a puddle on like YouTube? Someone live streamed a puddle and everyone was watching it. And they had it um, when it was really, really windy about this time last year. You, they had a live, someone was standing at the Heathrow at the end of the runway, live streaming all the planes coming in, like shaking around. It's quite fun if it's windy to watch a webcam. Anyway, I'll defend myself more later. Um, <laughs> but yeah, if you want to go in briefly for perhaps 10 seconds, Check out the conditions at the Nürburgring. You can on the website, and it's wet. So I'm getting a hype for a wet race. The last time we had a wet race in Germany was pretty good, if you ask me. So, albeit not at the Nürburgring. Um, But, you know, we could get a a 
a bit of spice with this ice. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. And I think the last wet race at Nürburgring would have been the 2007 one, which was absolutely yes. chaos. Cars yeah. flying off at turn one. Uh, yeah, very unsafe because some. I think the driver nearly hit one of the tractors. Yeah, the tractors were just driving around as if they were in a in a in a car park. Then that day, I seem to remember. You just have one car would fall, would fall off the track, and then another would come and just basically like bump into them. They'd just be sat there, sort of watching other cars while they're sat in their F1 cars, watching a car disappear next to them, and that would be it. It was a bit like, it was a bit like um, the final corner at Hockenheim last year, um, where Leclerc and Hamilton went off in succession, and then Hulkenberg went off, and Sainz went off, and everything. So, it, it's, it's a yeah, it's a good track basically. So, even if it is damp, though, do you think we'll still get a good good race if it's dry? Ooh, that's a, that's a tough one. Because it's not the widest of tracks. Mm. Uh, it's quite narrow. And I know there was some negative thoughts going into Magella, but then that turned out to be a good race. So, I think it could be the same thing here somewhere. Although, yeah, with these wider cars, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not too sure if it will be great in the dry at least yeah I think there's, there's not too many overtaking zones either or kind of areas and Magello was good but it was partly or mostly good because it had so much chaos in mm. so I feel like it needs needs a bit of chaos in you know and weather will most likely is yeah. the most likely source of that um, but we we could get we could get a decent race. Could get split you know, split strategies or something like that. If you know drivers, yeah. if teams pull a driver out of a of a train to get them in clear air, someone else gets held up. You could get something decent from there. But it's not. I'm not kind of overly crossing my fingers for for a really good race. Yeah, I think the novelty value of this track is this that we haven't been there in ages, frankly, and I think. There were it, it was um, alternating with Hockenheim every year, so we should have had one in 2015. We should have had one in 2017, but the um, Nurburgring weren't able to afford the contract, so it is really basically a one-off here because uh, otherwise the Grand Prix can't really be afforded based on what it's signed in the past. Um, but I think if it, it has potential to be um, a bit a bit hectic, a bit frenetic, and I, let's hope it will be. Um, what do we think about um, Nürburgring sort of in comparison to other German tracks though would we rather be at Hockenheim do you think or I think I prefer Hockenheim personally um, but not I don't really remember too much of kind of races you know Northeast and 2010's races at Nürburgring to be fair but yeah just kind of I've always preferred Hockenheim but it's not just a personal opinion, really. It's not I, prefer, I prefer Nürburgring, definitely. Uh, yeah, I think Nürburgring, going off the top of my head, there's been loads of classic races. Uh, one, when Johnny Herbert won in the Stewart in 1999. 1999, 2005, yeah. and Riker's tyre blew off at final lap, 2007, as we just talked about, when Massa got very angry after the race. He was swearing at Alonso and everything. Yeah, and then one of my personal favourites of the last decade, 2011, Ooh, yes, German yes. Grand Prix, which no one ever talks about when Lewis it comes Hamilton to the versus Mexico Grand Prix. I thought it was 
one of the best races ever. Weber, Alonso, Howardson in three different teams going absolutely all all race. It was incredible, I thought. Uh, hope for more of the same this weekend. But for me, I think Nurburgring Green just pips it over Hockenheim. Yeah, I'd um, I'd probably go with Nurburgring. I think it's got a bit, a little bit more sort of to it. Hockenheim feels a bit artificial in some regards, if that makes sense. I don't really know if that makes a lot of sense. It was like the, uh. <laughs> it was. It's the closest, it's closer to a Tilka Hockenheim oh. than Nürburgring is, in my opinion. And that sounds it a little bit, but I think they're both still pretty great, frankly. I think we're lucky to have two brilliant tracks in Germany. It's a shame we yeah. can't go to them all the time because I think they're both really good. I did think we'd, we'd have a double header at Hockenheim um, around sort of March, April, May, when we were talking about it. Germany was not actually in that bad a position with with coronavirus and I thought it was a bit silly that they weren't talking about using Hockenheim for a double header in the way they use Silverstone and um, Austria but um, obviously there are reasons about that and there's a reason it's the Eiffel Grand Prix not the German Grand Prix um, presumably because the region were very helpful with the um, with the fact that Formula One is now here in the same way that Tuscany and Emilia Romagna were for Mugello and Imola um, equally so um i think they're both great tracks and we're lucky to have two brilliant tracks in germany um does anyone have any bonkers predictions for the weekend then um let's go with third place adam mm, i'm thinking how bonkers to go because R- ricardo mm-hmm. oh, oh, for, but if you, i can be more bonkers if you want yeah, sure. Say Latifi. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'll go Ricardo or Giovinazzi. Latifi's more likely than that. Uh, One of two. Third place. Will you go for Daniel Ricardo or Antonio? Well, Grosjean. 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 Grosjean's yeah. going to score a point. No, he's going to get third. Oh, Going to score 15 oh. points. Just, uh, and 16. He'll get a fastest lap as well. <laughs> wow. What a result. <laughs> While he's chasing down Max Verstappen. Since Adam said Ricardo, I'm going to go boring and say Bottas. <laughs> oh, who's going to go second? Uh, Verstappen. Oh, Hamilton's going to win? Yeah, yeah probably. Oh, fun. Um, <laughs> Is it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Um, he had a bad weekend and he usually bounces back well. So I see, I see how to do it. He does well. actually. That's a good point. Um, I'm going to go Ocon third because I think it's going to be wet and he's good in the wet. Oh yeah, I forgot about the rain. Well, we don't know if it's going to rain yet. It probably won't yeah. now. We've got excited, but I've got excited about yeah. it. It'll probably be as bone dry as Germany can be. Um, uh, who do you think is going to be a shock Q1 exit? Nigel, you can go first. Oh, uh, is Vettel a shock anymore? I mean, he's not. He's not in Haas or Alfa Romeo. Uh, well, yeah, the, the, probably Vettel then. <laughs> All right, Adam. Um, Anyone else? Yeah, again. Over Nazi. Okay. 
If he's going to finish third, Jovanazzi or Grosjean, then that'll be. I a think Raikkonen will do well this weekend. You know, I've got a feeling. I mean, he's, he's had a great season, and and he knows his track, you know, uh, very well as well. And yeah, I think he could get a point for Alpha, which would be good, good for them. Would um, would Gasly be a shock Q one? Uh, I'd say it'd be more of a shock than Vettel. <laughs> yeah, maybe Gasly's been in Q three for the majority of the races. Really, to be honest, mm-hmm. looking at it, he's been one of the best qualifiers of the season. I think. Apart from ninth place Tuscany. qualifying in um, Papua and Tuscany, yeah, ninth place qualifying in Sochi, I thought was brilliant for Gasly. Mm. Okay, I'll go Gasly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Albon. <laughs> no. Um, you're not allowed you're... to talk about Albon, Nigel. Um, I don't know, I kind of hamstring myself here because I don't actually have an answer for this. Uh, Perez. Similar to Styrian Grand Prix. Yeah. I think because Racing Point haven't been good in the cold. Um, so maybe it's not a shock. Anyway, um, uh, so Nigel thinks Hamilton's going to win. Uh, I think Hamilton's going to win. Adam, do you think Hamilton's going to win? I think Hamilton's going to win. Okay, cool. So we think Hamilton's going to win, and that's good. Um, let's maybe move that'll on. Mean he won't, though. So, you oh know, yeah, maybe we'll back him. And It'll then... be a dry race, and he'll lose. Yeah, that's what we've basically decided. And Perez is going to win, and Grosjean's going to come second, and. No, uh, don't, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Jovanazzi is coming second, of course. It's um, kind of weird. It's weird thinking about Hamilton. Like you think he's had two bad weekends out of the last three because he's only won one last three races. <laughs> you think like, oh no, that's dreadful. <laughs> well, what he's got first place in Mugello, but then he's got seventh in Monza and third yeah. in yeah in Sochi. So I mean. Awful. It's actually terrible for a driver of his caliber to perform in yeah. such a way. I can't. Oh, I can't greatest of all time. How can we even discuss like, him in that? This is what discussion. Jackie Stewart's on about. Oh, wow. Full yeah. circling this podcast. Um, <laughs> and before we get into another random debate, um, let's go on to the quiz where we will randomly debate who knows more about the Nurburgring's history, Adam Dickinson or Nigel Chu. Not not feeling confident for this one. <laughs> Maybe Nigel yeah. then, according to that, from Adam. Considering Nigel's already yeah. mentioned in passing one of the questions, so I'm going to have to riff it from question eight. Um, because yes, Kimi Raikkonen did have a suspension failure on the final lap of the 2005 race. Um, I think I would have known. I, I mean, I don't know if I'd have been quicker on the buzzer, but I would have known that as a question. Thanks, Adam. Um, so. We're going to go headfirst into it with who won the last F1 race at the Nürburgring? Nigel. I heard Nigel first. Uh, Vettel. It was. It was Sebastian Vettel for Red Bull in 2013. The only time he's won his home race. Okay. Question number two. The Nordschleife layout of the Nürburgring was held hold the German Grand Prix up until 1976. How many corners does the track have, according to Adam. its official website? Adam. 76. Oh, it's close. No cigar. So, there's there's loads of the different... It doesn't include the GP layout. This is oh, okay. Life on the official website. He's 83. Oh, it's, it's wrong. It's further away than Adam's. No, nope. Adam. Adam. He was closer. Do I wait? 
Oh, okay. Yeah, give it to me. <laughs> uh, uh, I can. Yeah, what are you doing? Oh, I'm Adam gonna, gets the point. He was closer. Adam gets the point. He was closer. Yeah. Uh, okay. Seventy-three. Ah. I heard it was one hundred forty-seven somewhere on 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 Top Gear when Jeremy oh, Clarkson went there to laps. do a ten-minute lap in a Jaguar, and they said it was like one hundred forty-seven corners. If you do two laps, that's um yeah one hundred and forty-six. So. <laughs> Yeah. If you and turn then, around yeah. once on your way. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, if anyone wants to know how many left and how many right, I've got that written. Um, uh, 50 left. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> 33 left and 40 right. Um, okay. In case you want to bring that stat up in your life. Um, question number three. So we know the, we know the Nürburgring Nord's life is very long. And this question is going to be a closest wins um, because it's a hard question. What time was James Hunt's pole position in 1976? What lap time? Not did he do it at one in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just the Nordic side, not the GP layout as well. Yeah, it was the 1976 <laughs> yeah. layout. So it was the one Nicky Lauder had his, um, yeah. had his uh, bump. Nigel, I'm going to go for about... Seven minutes forty-five. Okay, okay. Seven minutes forty-five. Adam, what's your guess? I was thinking eight minutes. I'll go eight minutes fifteen. Oh, Nigel's closer. It was seven minutes six point five. Wow. Mm. So, very fast those nineteen seventies F one cars. Mm. Um, they only did fourteen laps of the race anyway. It was <laughs> faster than a van or a Jaguar S type around the Nurburgring. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. That was 10 minutes, 8 seconds for the van. And like, what, just under 10 for the Jag. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Adam just touched on it there. You can just drive on the Nordschleife in whatever you want to do. So, and it's a toll road, which now enables you to do that. So, what is the price from Monday to Friday to drive on the Nordschleife? So, is that... Like for a five-day pass, or just like uh, for... no, I think it's just one entry. You can get a season pass for um, okay. two thousand two hundred euros for the season. Adam, Adam, fifty euros. No, I think it's. I think it's quite cheap. I think it's twelve euros. No, Nigel's closer though, so I'm going to give him the point. It is thirty. No, it's twenty-five euros. 25. Mm. That's quite, uh, that's quite a good it's deal. It's 30 euros on the weekend. Mm. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Wind, not so this far. weekend, though. Not this not weekend. This weekend. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, they're not on the Nord's Life. Oh, yeah. Um, they might be doing a promotion. Um, well, a marshal could just, like, open the gate and, like, the driver goes past. Well, um, <laughs> no, um, no, Heidfeld, it's Nick Heidfeld did a promo run in a 2007 yeah. BMW Sauber, and he said it was brilliant. And he was on like really old scrub tires, and he said if he had done it on tires, he could have gone, I don't know, five minute lap time probably. Me. Yeah, I know. Um, this is a fun one. Question five: Great. How do you spell Nordschleife? Adam. Adam. N O R S C H. Yeah. L I. No. Oh. It's. E-I-F-E. It's not four letters long, Nigel. Yes, <laughs> Nigel got a bit Adam didn't get. Um, so I think 
Nigel gets that point as well. <laughs> it's looking up, it's coming up clutch Nigel at the moment. After five questions, one of them has been won by Adam and four of them have been um, snatched by Nigel. Um, we move on from the Nordschleife um, round of the quiz um, to something a bit more close to home, the GP layout. Um, when was the first time the current GP layout was used? Well, when did, when did the, the GP layout, I don't know if it's the current, I think they changed it ever so slightly, but. Adam. Adam? I think I went a bit too early. I'll go. Got a rush. A 86. Oh, it's so close. Not sure. I know the race there in 94, so I'm going to say 88. Oh, Adam gets the point. It was 84. No, no. They didn't race there in 94. Oh. Um, that comes into the next second. Next They're question, which is, they returned in 95. <laughs> 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 For the European Grand Prix, which um, was held until 2007, I think. Um, in 1997 and 1998, however, it had a different name. What was it called? Adam. Adam. The Luxembourg Grand Prix. Yes, it was. The Luxembourg Grand Prix held in Germany. Well, not, not in <laughs> Luxembourg. Almost like having the San Marino Grand Prix held in Italy. But. Yes. Um, or the European Grand Prix held in Asia in Baku. Um, that's my favourite. Um, <laughs> so now it's 3-4. It's, 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 it's still quite tight as we head into the final few questions. I need to think of this question now because this was the Kimi Raikkonen question. So I'm just going to go <laughs> to a random Wikipedia page for the Nürburgring and what see what I can find. What car was Kimi Raikkonen driving on the, when he crashed in 2005? That's not the question. Adam. Um, <laughs> stop asking yourselves questions. No, don't, don't revolt. Um, <laughs> uh, Who was on the podium in 2013 alongside Sebastian Vettel? Which letters have accents on in Nürburgring? <laughs> The U does, doesn't it? Which one? Who took their first win at the Nürburgring in 2009? Adam. Adam? Um, Yeah. Stop stalling. Answer the question. Oh, Lord. Yes, it was. was Drive-through penalty as well. Marky Webber. Yeah, Yeah, he got a drive-through. Marky Webber. Came through, just dropped my pen. Came through and nailed Rubens Barrichello, basically. Um, mm. You broke up halfway through the question as well. Did I? Well, at least on mine, you did. I, I don't know about Nigel. Well, we're recording on my laptop, so I won't have done. So I'm afraid oh. that's that's your loss. Um, well, that's fine. <laughs> you still got it right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, so question nine. This is my favourite question. Um, what was special about Lewis Hamilton's result of ninth in the 2007 race? Adam. Adam? It was the first time he'd finished a race outside the points. Yes, I'll give you that. It was also the he first time he finished off the podium. Oh. oh. I don't really? Know if he was. Yeah, he finished on the podium really? in all of his other races. He was lapped, as well was his... Um, 
Uh, no, his teammate won the race. His teammate was Alonso that year, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's mad. Yeah, it is mad. But now it's advantage it was, Adam going into I the final question. It was also the start of Kimmy's run to the end of the season, I think. Uh, yeah, well, Kimmy finished in... Um, but then Kimmy, he, he didn't finish. Oh yeah, the one after that. Then yeah. <laughs> after, after that, he didn't fin- off, finish off the podium for the rest of the season. That's pretty good. That's why he won the championship by a point. To be fair. Yeah. Um, so question ten is also relating to the two thousand and seven race, um, and it is this: which cult hero led in his debut Arjun. race? Adam. After a pit stop gamble for the Spike F1 team, I heard Nigel first. Yeah. It was Marcus Winklehock. It was. And now I've got to think of a tie break question. <laughs> That's the only reason I wanted to get that question, to be honest, just to see. Oh, oh, yeah. he's, been, he's been testing what, me, hasn't he? He got all those last ones wrong. He allowed, he allowed Adam yeah. back in just so I, I could have got it. But think I thought, of a no, tie break question. Okay, right. Let's go and have some fun trying to stall until I can find a question to tie break. Um, you guys... You can find us on Winging It F1 on Twitter, can't you, Freddie? Yes, you can talk about that. I'm busy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're also on Spotify, Sorry. iTunes, and our podcast provider, Acast, and YouTube, obviously. Yeah, and you're probably watching it somewhere. We're up on Twitter at Winging It F1. I'm at Adam Dickinson 01. Freddie is at Fred Coates 1999, unless he's changed it. And wow. Nigel is at Nigel C. Well, that's good. Still accurate then. It's a good Giro stage. So, you know, it's all happening. I don't know who's out front, but it's the more. Okay, this will probably not work as a tiebreak question, but Kat, um, who is going to be the first of you guys to name a driver who won? who was in the winning team of this year's 2020 24 Hours of Nürburgring, which was held two weeks ago. Um, then a, a driver? A driver in the team. There are four drivers in the team. Uh, I'll give you a clue. They drove a BMW. Adam. Adam. Again? I, uh, oh God, I don't know. Uh, Kobayashi, does he even do? No, 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 it wasn't him. Uh, Nigel Ensler. Ensler? Um, no, it wasn't Ensler. Nigel Farkas. No. Nigel Vittman. No. Uh, Vittman was in the I, other I, car. I, Vittman was in the 98. His teammates won it. It's a bit on the question, I feel, but I'm just going to Why? Because I've on. got the Wikipedia page. I'll give you a clue, I, though. One of them um, drove for BMW in Formula E. Oh, great. That, that really Alex helped. Alex Sims. Yes, Alex Sims. Yeah. So I couldn't think of a good question other than that. I know it was a bit more weighted towards Who were the other two Nigel. drivers? Oh, the three. three. They're Nicky Katzberg and Nick Yellerly oh, and Philip Eng, who drove for two cars. Um, so there well, you go. Nigel won that one on a technicality. A GT question. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I feel there'll be repercussions from Adam about that question um, when he writes his next quiz about cycling. Um, yeah. <laughs> which him and Nigel both know a relative amount about. 
Um, so yeah, we've had the 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 outro on where to find us. Um, if you're still around, that's really fair enough to be honest. Why are you here? Um, we hope you have a brilliant weekend watching the Eiffel Grand Prix. We're going to be back on Sunday night, maybe Monday morning, to report that race and give you our reaction. So hopefully a pretty insane one. Um, have a good one, everybody. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for giving us your company. Goodbye. Bye.